Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning we're going to wrap up our series for the month of February, Won't You Be My Neighbor? In this series, you know, we kicked it off as we explored the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, we reflected on the question that the expert in Moses' teaching Ask Jesus, you know, how do I know that I'm saved? What does the law say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he says, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as we've done that, we've explored what it means to be a neighbor. So hopefully, you know, you guys still have your map that we made the first week during this series. How many of you still have your map of your neighborhood? How many of you lost your map? And don't know where it's at? How many of you, like me, because it's pre-Lent time, have buried your map somewhere on a desk or a stack of something in the other, and it's just lost? Well, really quick, let's just review the map, because you can probably remember if you were here what it was. We talked about our neighborhood and thinking about our neighborhood in three sections. First, our neighborhood, like where we live, the physical neighborhood that we live in. Whether you live in a house and you have neighbors across the street next to you and behind you, Whether you live in dorms or apartments, you still might have people across from you, but above you and below you. And then we talked about that neighborhood, that middle area where we work or go to school. And now that third neighborhood is where, you know, we play, where we have fun. That's where we go and we watch the kids or grandkids at a sporting event. That's where we have fun. Maybe we go golfing or bowling, jet skiing, I don't know what you do for fun, you know, all those kind of things like that. And we talked about how God places people in our lives, and part of the challenge was for us to think about maybe whom God is calling us to be a good neighbor. Well, today we're going to take that idea of neighbor, we're going to narrow that down a little bit as we look at today's gospel lesson, and we're going to talk about our friends, because our friends are our neighbors. So let's start with a question here. What are the qualities of a good friend? What are the qualities of a good friend? And here's what I'd like for you to do. It's to go ahead and turn around the folks next to you. Visit really quick if you don't know them. Introduce yourself. Say hello. But really quick, off the top of your head, don't think too deeply about this. What are the qualities of a good friend? Go. You know, part of the cue that I have that you guys are maybe about done listing qualities of friends, you start looking this direction. And then sometimes you keep talking. I don't know whether you're talking about you know, the question or whether you've got carried off in a side conversation. Well, really quick, let's have you just shout out, what are some of the qualities of a good friend? They're, they're listening. They're loyal. They're trustworthy. Respect. They tell you the things that you don't necessarily want to hear, but maybe need to hear, right? Even as someone said at the last service, they like, you know, for a guy, they tell you when your fly is down. Tim's not here right now, but he did that to me one Sunday, right before I stood up. He goes, Pastor, your fly is down. He was such a good guy. I'm so glad he did that. You know, there, there's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great qualities when it comes to a friend. Someone that's trustworthy, they're loyal. Yeah, they'll tell you things you need to hear. Sometimes the things you don't want to hear, but that you need to hear. They're the kind of person that's there for you, maybe when no one else is there for you. I mean, those are just some of the qualities of a good friend. Well, today we're going to talk about, you know, what it means to be a good friend as we ask that question, you know, what does it really mean to be a neighbor? And as we do that, we're going to explore our text that we had today from Mark. So let's just kind of back into this a little bit, a little bit of background information. Now, Jesus spent a lot of time in and around Capernaum. 
It was kind of like his home base. In fact, verse 1 of our text, Mark even refers to it as Jesus' home. Now, whether it was like his physical home or one of the homes of the disciples or one of the other you know, kind of followers of those close to Jesus, it was called his home, a place that he returned to often as he did his ministry. And, you know, rep, his reputation had grown. He was known for being a guy who could heal people in an amazing way. He was known for casting out demons. He was known for speaking God's word with such power that the people could understand God and understood that God was a God who loved them and a God who cared for them. He was, you know, one that was known for eating and, and hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and, and those that society said were of little value, that God could never care for them. And his being with them and speaking and teaching with them just demonstrated God's love and care, God's grace and God's kindness. Now, we also have, you know, in this, in a parallel passage, in case you don't know what a parallel passage is really quick, you know, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and a parallel passage means that an event, a story, you know, a miracle, that happened in one, more than one Gospel. So it doesn't have to happen all four but if it's happened at least two of the Gospels, it's a parallel passage. So in Luke, we have a parallel passage. Luke also describes this event that we read in Mark with a few other details. He tells us that the Pharisees had traveled to Capernaum. They came from Jerusalem, so that's a couple days worth of walking that they came to listen to Jesus. Now, the Pharisees, religious leaders of the day, you know, they were often the guys I can imagine. Now, if you have your arms crossed, I'm not picking on you. Maybe. Um, but they are, you know, you have, I kind of imagine these are guys that have this, their arms crossed with kind of that stern, disapproving look. I don't know if you've ever met somebody like that who looked always like this, disapproving. And these are kind of the Pharisees. They're there with Jesus because they want him to say something or do something so they can call him out. Now, before we go any further, let's talk about life on a mat. How many of you ever gone camping before? You know, when I, I used to go camping, especially as a Boy Scouts, and we had this little, I should have brought it with me, this thin little blue, we called it earth pad, made out of like foam stuff. And it would roll up, and you could go backpacking with it, you could unroll it. You know, the great thing was, it was much more comfortable to lie on that than it was to lie on the hard Arizona ground. Even that little piece of foam. But imagine... You know, that was roughly about three by five foot long. Imagine if that was your whole life. A little mat, you know, not too thick, three by five foot. And that's what life was like for this paralyzed man. This man who had some form of paralysis. Now, likely he was not, you know, completely paralyzed because back then, the first century, if you'd have been completely paralyzed, the medicine of the day would not have allowed you to live. But he was, you know, either he had a stroke, some kind of traumatic brain injury. Maybe, maybe he had, you know, um, fallen and, and broke his legs, you know, and, and his legs were never set correctly and he couldn't walk or, you know, he hurt his back in some form or the other. We don't know. We don't have those details. We just know that he lives his life out on this little three-by-five mat. What does that mean for him? Well, in the first century, that means... He depends on others. He depends on others to feed him, to clothe him, to, to bathe him, to help him go to the bathroom. 
He depends on others to be there for him. It means that in first century Palestine, he can contribute nothing to society. He has no job. He has no influence. He has no future. In fact, in the society at that time, they often looked and said, you know what, this guy has this paralysis because he sinned. He did something, and God is punishing him. And so he was looked down on in society. He lived his life simply on this mat along the road, begging, hoping for a small handout to care for himself. But this guy has one thing going for him. One really good thing going for him. He has four really good friends. Now, we don't know, again, the whole story behind this. You know, are these the kind of friends that they've been like friends all the way through kindergarten, into middle school and high school, maybe even to college? You know, do, do, they, do they live next door to each other? Are they neighborhood friends? Are they, are they friends because they work together? And maybe, you know, he's one of the co-workers and he fell and hurt himself. We don't know. We just know that he's got these four friends that care for him. These four really good friends who hear now that Jesus is in Capernaum. They hear that Jesus is in Capernaum, and these four buddies decide that because Jesus is in town, they're going to bring their friend to Jesus. They've heard. Remember, Jesus has a reputation now of healing people. They've heard that he can heal people. And so they want to bring their friend to Jesus. we got to bring our friend to Jesus. And so as you think about this, this, these guys, these four buddies, you know, the, the qualities of friends, first of all, they were a team. They were working together. They're going to pick this guy up on his mat. And, you know, if you grew up going to Sunday school, you probably have colored some kind of picture of this guy in a mat, right? Whether it looked like a blanket, whether it looked more like um, some kind of stretcher, and they carried him. We, we don't really know. We just know that they carried him. And we don't know whether they were actually in Capernaum or a town, you know, a distance away and how long it took for them to get there. We just know that they have worked together as a team, and they have an objective. Their objective is to bring their friend before Jesus. And as they get there, they get there, and there is such a crowd of people packed in to meet Jesus. This is not the only time that crowds have kind of squeezed on at Jesus. Have you ever been in a crowd of people? Yeah, you know, I mean, some of you are claustrophobic, maybe. You know, I mean, a crowd of people just makes you kind of freaked out. But, you know, being in, in a crowd of people, and, you know, and it's one thing to be in a crowd of people if you want to kind of work your way to the front and you're by yourself, right? You know, or if you were in a crowd of people, like when we travel for our pool admission team, and in a crowd of people, the best person to pit at the front to work the way for our team, if we, if we could keep up with her, was always my daughter Chelsea, because even though she was fairly petite, she could be kind of just determined like, get on my way, I'm coming through. And we would just follow behind her, you know, to stay through the crowd. But these guys are doing what? They're carrying their friend. They've got this friend on a mat, or they're maybe carrying them, you know, like this, and they're bringing their friend through, and there's no way they're going to get through all the crowds of people with their friend. I mean, everyone else is kind of like, wait in line, buddies. We want to see Jesus. We want to hear him. We want to, you know, get close to him, too. These Four friends, they work as a team. They have an objective. Remember, their objective is what? To get their friend before Jesus. Now they've got to think creatively. So they're creative friends. Because as they look at this, you know what? One of them has an idea, I don't know. You know, says, hey, let's go up to the roof. 
And in the houses in first century Palestine, there was always stairs that would lead up to the roof. That's another place they could be, especially on cool nights. When it was maybe a hot day, a cool night, they could go sit on the roof. And so these guys make their way to the roof. They creatively kind of think through how they're going to do this. These guys are determined. I mean, they could have said, ah, uh, you know, maybe some other day. Sorry, you know, what's one more day, two more days, three more weeks, and could have went home. But they are determined to bring their friend before Jesus. And so they climb up on this roof and they begin, you know, taking the roof apart. I mean, literally, what they're doing is they're digging this roof. The roofs there in first century Palestine, you know, were made of mud and sticks. I don't know, have you ever experienced the ceiling falling in in your head? Some of you are like, yeah, you know, I mean, or if you've ever gone up and worked on insulation or something, you get that stuff all in your hair, and it's kind of a mess. So they're, you know, determined to do this. They're not discouraged. They're not going to go home. So now you can kind of imagine what's going on. Jesus, crowds are gathered around. Remember the Pharisees are there waiting for Jesus to slip up. And all the people who want to hear Jesus, who want to, you know, be close to him, that maybe hope that he can heal someone that they love. They're all gathered around, and suddenly, you know, debris begins to fall down from the ceiling. I mean, how would you respond if you were sitting there? You know how sometimes you think, like, maybe a teacher respond right now if somebody started digging through the ceiling right here and dropped in? Actually, it'd be kind of cool, but, you know, having someone drop, and freaky, but cool. But, you know, the, the, the debris begins to fall down, and, and Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't stand up there and say, hey, what are you guys doing up there? But as, as that begins to come down and, and this, this hole opens up, imagine they're all kind of looking and wondering what's happening, and these four friends begin to lower their friend down. You know, I know what we don't know is we don't know, like, did they have ropes, you know? Did they have blankets that they tied them down? We don't know, you know. Did they get them all the way down and drop them gently onto the ground? Did they slip and he went, you know, I don't know. But I kind of imagine as he's coming down and people are kind of looking and wandering, you know, wondering what's going on here. Then he's coming down, he's kind of going, hello, 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 hi, 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 hello, hello. But there he is in front of Jesus. These four friends who work together as a team, who have this objective to bring their friend before Jesus, who are creative and determined, and who, as Jesus highlights here, these friends are faith-filled. These friends who show kindness beyond expectation are filled with faith. They trust and believe what Jesus can do. And Jesus even recognizes their faith. Mark 2.5, let's read together. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Friend, your sins are forgiven. So let's take this verse apart. Two sections here. First, when Jesus saw their what? Their faith. Jesus saw their faith because their faith was not a dormant faith. It was not like I came in and checked out on Sunday morning kind of faith. Their faith was an active faith. Their faith moved them to show kindness. Their faith moved them to tear apart that roof, not considering at all you know, what the consequences may be, not worried about that at the moment because they wanted to bring their friend to Jesus. A faith that is active and alive. A faith that, that shows kindness that is beyond expectation. It's a faith that is shaped by God's kindness. A kindness that is beyond expectation. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now again, the guys, the Pharisees are there, the Pharisees, you know, waiting for Jesus to slip up. They're like, yes, he did it. Because, you know, we hear Mark say to us, you know, they begin thinking, maybe mumbling to themselves a little bit, you know, who but God can forgive sins. And Jesus knows, just like he can see their guys' faith, the friend's faith as they lower their friend down, he knows, he sees into their hearts, their disgruntledness. And he calls them out on it. Who longer forgives sins? Now, the guy, you know, his sins are forgiven, which is really cool, right? His sins are forgiven. Jesus says, whatever sins you've committed, they are forgiven. Absolute. And that goes to what he's going to do, you know, sometime from that point, that event, he's going to die on the cross. But also, too, it's important for this guy here, because we said this a little earlier, in the society and the culture of this day, people figure that if this guy was crippled like this, he must have sinned. He must have done something so bad that God is punishing him. So Jesus is not only just forgiving the guy's sins, which is awesome in itself, but also saying this guy is restored into this community. Because not only does he forgive the sins, he says to this guy, you know, take up your mat and go. And the guy does what? He immediately picks up his mat. That which has been his life, his identity, he picks it up and he walks out while everyone watched. You know, as we think about, you know, our friends, you think about this moment here for these five Friends now. For these five friends, many of the best moments, many of our best moments with Jesus happen because of our friends. Those friends that connect us with Jesus, sometimes they tell us things that we don't need to hear but need to hear. Sometimes because they're there for us when nobody else is. Sometimes they're there for, to pray for us because they're trustworthy, because they walk alongside of us, because they remind us of a Savior who loves us, who shows us kindness, love, grace, and mercy. You know, as we wrap up this series on being a neighbor, of course, we especially think about our friends, because our friends are our neighbors. They're part of the people that we hang out. Whether those friends believe in Jesus and follow Jesus, you know, and as we bring them to Jesus, we're there to help encourage them, to remind them that God loves them, that he is with them. Or whether it's a friend that doesn't know Jesus. I think of a friend that I had in 7th and 8th grade, Craig, and, you know, and, and he was the one that invited me to church. The one that, that brought me, you know, to where I was going to church. And I began to understand as Craig introduced me to this friend, Jesus, that shaped and changed my life that point forward. Got baptized, you know, in my high school freshman year. Our friends, we as friends, the many of our best moments with Jesus happen because of our friends, of this living life together. So this man who wants his whole life was defined by this mat that he would lie on day after day after day, was now defined by this mat that he carried and walked out with. It was a life defined by his friends and the kindness that they showed, a kindness that reflected the kindness, the love, the mercy of our God 
and our Savior Jesus. So here's an active challenge for us as we go out from here, as we wrap up this series. What can you do to show kindness that is beyond expectation? As you think about your friends, as you think about, again, the three areas of our neighborhood, the area where we actually live and the area that we work or go to school and the area that we do, well, everything else. What can you do to show kindness that is beyond expectation? A kindness that is shaped by the kindness that our God has for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would shape us and mold us, our faith, our lives, by this kindness that we have in our Savior Jesus. That this kindness would shape how we live in all of our relationships, to those who are closest to us, to those who are not as close, to those that we don't even know. But Lord, every person that we interact with, we show them the kindness that you show to us. And Lord, we especially pray that just like those four friends were there for their friend, that Lord, we can be that kind of friend. And that Lord, we also pray we'd have those kind of friends that would bring us to you, that would carry us and uplift us. And they would show us that kind of kindness in return. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your powerful name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.